And there is the broken view opening up the newest episode of Michael L. Craver Presents. Coming your way on every streaming platform, whether you're listening on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Maybe you've told Alexa to play Michael L. Craver Presents. Most of my uh, folks I see are from iTunes and Spotify. But uh, there are so many different services emerging out there. If you're listening on one of the newer ones, give me some feedback. Tell me how it's going for you. I get requests all the time for somebody to uh, claim my account on the on the new uh, services, which I've, I've swooped up. I've, I've taken care of that. A lot of people have, have said, hey, so-and-so would like to be a guest on your podcast. And uh, I've not entertained that notion whatsoever yet. Uh, but uh, just interesting, interesting folks wanting to talk about politics and finance, um, having their representatives contact me. It's very flattering. It is. I spent uh, most of the week working overtime, working hard. It's uh, quite the transition that I've made. I've not talked about it here, but I worked uh, remotely over the last several years uh, and uh, changed that up to where I run um a very large <laughs> piece of the pie now. And being in the weather, in the elements, getting up at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning to go uh, to travel to and from my occupation is one thing. To drive, to drive around on power equipment uh, exposed to the weather is a different beast. And I had forgotten, and I don't think I have it anymore, that my mother bought me this the best thing anybody had ever bought me uh, for performance uh, back then was a brand, it's still around, called Point Zero. And their jackets, uh, the one she bought me, was phenomenal. Um, it disassembled, uh, if this will make sense to you. So there was the outer jacket with zip around the sleeves. So the outer jacket would become a vest. There was a removable hood that snapped on and off. There was an internal lining that zipped in and out. Uh, I believe that's all the features for taking it from one uh, set of layers to the other. So you could wear it as minimal as like a vest or the lining by itself uh, up to adding on sleeves with lining. You had two layers inside plus sleeves plus a hood. And I'm, it was a ski jacket or some sort of extreme elements uh, jacket that she'd gotten me. I don't do all that fun stuff where you go to Aspen or wherever and ski the black diamond slopes or whatever. However, I was working outside at a lumber yard back then, driving a forklift into the wind. <laughs> the wind chill is already zero or below. It was just interesting. I would wear one of our company t-shirts underneath of that jacket. That T-shirt had been disassembled. I had cut the sleeves off of that T-shirt, and it was it was just like a muscle shirt underneath of that jacket, and I was still almost sweating because it provided such great protection where the wind didn't get through, um, and it, it kept me hot. Such a great thing. Uh, one of the things that I, when I've worked in other places, I was in the automotive industry in the past, these guys would buy these um, jackets from the Snap-on tool truck. And they sell these all the time. If you're a lady out there, you're looking for a gift to get somebody. Some men think this is uh, like trading in your man card 
So careful if you're thinking about buying one of these jackets because some guys will take this as an insult. But uh, Milwaukee uh, Tools uh, and a lot of other operations, but specifically Milwaukee was the guy that the guys that I was working with had that brand. Um, the jackets have heating coils in them like an electric blanket. So you hook um, a battery into the jacket. It's got a pocket just be about where your kidneys are, just behind um, the waist. And you would put that battery in. You'd hook it up. There's also ports in the pockets up front so that battery would allow you to hook your phone up and charge it or you know a couple of other features but essentially the the specialty of the jacket was you would press on the logo or wherever the activation button was and it has heated coils that run through the the breast of the jacket around the ribs up the shoulders and so it would keep you warm if you're working in the elements if you're going to your loved one or favorite football team, whatever, uh, whatever you might be doing outside, this would keep you warm for the life of the battery. Uh, and you could charge, you know, more than one battery, so you could swap the batteries out. I guess you could wear one of these things up to the top of Mount Everest if you had enough recharging uh, power. But just different. I, I mentioned that to my father. He was like, what? No. <laughs> I love my dad. <laughs> he said, why would you be outside if you need all that? Just go back in. <laughs> and my dad's not like, he's, I've never seen him profess to be a tough guy or anything like that. But in the past, you know, he was way ahead of this because I saw wrestlers do it years later. He'd be working out in the wintertime and, he'd, you know, your hands will crack and split because of the, the elements will break down your uh, epidermis, your skin. And when your skin will crack in the wintertime and get so dried out, um, it's like the sand, the dirt in a drought, right? It's missing the water. It, it cracks up the, the land beneath your feet. Um, my father kept superglue in his carpenter's belt. And so he'd take that superglue and put it in his hand. If he'd cut his hand or if his hands were cracked, he'd just put superglue in it. Go right on with his day. Just odd, right? But that's what emergency rooms do now. So, you know, like the Joker was saying, I'm ahead of the curve. And I was like, you know, that's fucking awesome. Uh, but the, the jacket idea is something that came up. But I, I've very much entertained, you know, being more responsible and wearing some sort of outerwear rather than uh, the the nothingness that I've been going to work in thus far. The temperature's changing rapidly. I feel a tremendous uh, sense of pride. A lot of people have told me that I sound happier, I'm acting differently. But yeah, I've got a lot of responsibility, and uh, and so I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Um, not going to share any other, you know, good, bad, or the ugly about that change in my life or, or the day-to-day ongoings of the operation. But um, it's it's been quite a transition. Um, I had... I had tried to, uh, to to be generous to a loved one of mine, and uh, that was the other transition that's happened in the last couple of months. As you ran into a situation, needed they needed um, a change in transportation, could not do financing. So I said, I I've had a promotion. I've got a few dollars because it's just me, and I take care of myself. The kids have got everything I could ever want. Let's. 
I will front the money for the vehicle. You can pay me back. I feel like this is going to end up on the people's court or something. Um, didn't play out that way. Uh, it hasn't yet. I don't think it's going to play out that way. But I said, you know, take your time. You pay me back in the future. Um, I'll let you know how that plays out over the course of time. But essentially, um, it's, um, I don't know how to describe the different ways the world operates. The, the folks around me on a daily basis, um, be it professionally or family-wise, have their head uh, in uh, structured places, right? So if I say to you, red and blue makes purple, you know, but there's other folks, this this individual in particular, that what does red and blue make? Makes yellow? Yeah, yellow. Okay. Oh, okay. And if for some reason we have to revisit this or I need to say, wait a minute, that's not what actually happens. I didn't say that. And I... It's just this, it's like dealing with, um, I don't want to, I'm not insensitive to people who have Alzheimer's. My grandmother had Alzheimer's and other people in the family. But it, it's very much almost like dealing with the that, the 51st dates with Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler where, you know, you're having to reteach. And that's exactly what I said to, to this person. I said, I feel like every time we have a conversation, and something happens. I have to re. It's like going to school, and I have to reteach every day up till today to get us here before we can go forward. I, I, and and I want you to be the best person you could possibly be. You have all of the world's information at your fingertips. Why? Why would you do foolish things? Oh, oh. So it's all about feelings. Is that well? It's very odd. You don't get to come up with your own facts. Like, it's just... So I had to... 86 that situation and to, to step away. And it was... What do you do, right? I'm the lifeguard trying to save somebody from drowning. But inevitably, all they want to do is choke you out and drown you with them. I, it's just... It's hard to... Mental health in this country is, is in a, it's always in a very unstable place. And I'm, try, and I'm not trying to have a play on words, but mental health is in an unstable place as much as the people who have mental health issues are in an unstable place. And for any individual, like if you've watched a lot of intervention or otherwise, for any individual to try to save that loved one alone, Go out there by yourself. It's like this beast movie that's out with Idris Elba. You're taking on the lion. Well, you ain't going to be able to do it alone, statistically speaking. And from personal experience, I'm going to tell you, people tell me I'm a great teacher and I, I love to root for the underdog. And I want so desperately to be proven wrong in these situations. And yet I'm, I'm not. I mean, you bail somebody out, you hope it's going to get them on their feet. From then on, they're going to be fine. No, they're, they're going to keep falling down. This is like the opposite of the way Forrest Gump plays out. He was like this. He had the leg braces, and then he could run. I like running, right? These folks are not going to run. Um, not, not with these circumstances. 
uh, I hope that something else happens and they just take off like, you know, beep, beep. But we'll see. Um, I don't know that I'll be around for, you know, to give you an update uh, on, on said uh, individual. But um, it's if you're out there and you've tried propping somebody up, whether it's a brother or a sister or a spouse, someone you're romantically involved with, some it's a friend, whatever. Difficult, right? We can all kind of relate to that. And the more you go back and you talk to other people, you know, it's almost like this intervention. You have to get more and more resources together. And, da, 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 da. and all that we found is, throughout all of these experiences that all of us have had, all the experiments all of us have tried, the person has to want to individually change. They have to take the steps. They've got to take the, the test, right? We can do everything we can to prepare them and tutor them and prop them up and give them all the information. But they have to execute. And uh, often the execution they're doing is not only themselves but the community around them. It's kind of like some kind of, you know. It's like they got jihad on logic or something. Hey, I'm going to get you a car. I'm going to bail you out of this. We're going to be fine. You're going to be fine, right? The future is bright. That's not what happens. It's like they they had one of those .0 jackets on. They pulled it back, unzipped it, zzz, pulled it back, and they're strapped with dynamite. Hey, I'm going to bail you out of this situation. No, you're not. La, 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 la. You know, there goes everybody. So you need to stay away from those people uh, if possible. Get them proper professional help, uh, or seek tell them to seek professional help, but don't let them suicide uh, you along with them. Uh, which is just how I felt. I mean, just you know, you watch from a distance. Uh, but yeah, I I feel extremely different in my my roles. Uh, I was able to do something above and beyond, right? So I got my car. That was that was different. Um, the level of appreciation, um, gratitude, whatever else you want to use to describe that, did not change. So no matter how big or small, <laughs> you're trying to... I'm trying to change the circumstances. doesn't matter. I felt like if I had a bottom of a house, it would have been the same reaction. Uh, and it is. It's just sad like that. But um, some people want you to be miserable um, because they're miserable. Uh, I remember this kid... I was working in a restaurant in uh, Winston-Salem, and uh, Stephen said, uh, and I, I thought Stephen was upset of his own accord, but the, one of the supervisors was not helping him have a better night. And uh, Stephen then took and, and spun it. Now, on any other night, I might have agreed with what Stephen did or or his words, but because he was already upset before he came in and then the supervisor sort of uh, enhanced his own self-loathing, he decided that was the night to kind of unload on him. And that was wrong the way I look at it because you couldn't separate the two circumstances. Stephen was upset about multiple things, not just what the supervisor did. So you got to make sure at least for me, for consistency purposes, that when you are mad at someone, you are mad at them for the current, right, um, ongoing reasons. And I've run into, if maybe you've run into this in the past, someone's mad at you 
But they're mad at you for this concoction of reasons that you have a hard time discerning what's relevant and what's irrelevant to them. Me? I didn't. I haven't screwed anything up in like three years. But remember five years ago when you... Whoa, whoa what? Yeah, I'm still holding on to it. Oh, well, you let that shit go. Because <laughs> I'll let it go. No, no. It's me. I can hold on to my pain. All right, well, then hold on to your pain. But I'm not going to support that. That's unhealthy behavior. I don't support unhealthy behavior. So when they start giving you some wildness, to me, it is kind of crazy, that they're going to hold on to something forever, hold on to a grudge, whatever, and you say, well, that's unhealthy. It's not unhealthy for them, maybe. Are they going to argue that? Anybody? Well, I'm the only one here. But no, nobody's going to argue that. They're not going to say... Oh, it's very healthy to hold on to that stuff. They're going to say it's unhealthy, and it's because of you it's unhealthy. They still carry it around. <laughs> no, it's unhealthy because you have not unloaded it. It's very simple. Very simple. The guy driving the hazmat truck that gets in an accident on the highway was carrying the bad stuff away from the factory to its destination. He doesn't then, everybody else can't then hold on to their grudge about the factory that created the waste if this guy's still the one carrying around. He was the one that was reckless. This person held on to this stuff, and they're reckless with it. They're reckless with their own mind and body and spirit, holding themselves back by not letting go of things that are unhealthy. Um, you got to fight that stuff as, as much as you fight any other health concern. And that may be mental, where cancer is... Um, neurological or whatever system it might be in your body but you need to get rid of the ugly elements so that you can be uh, the best spirit and the best person you can be i just um i don't know i never forgot what steven said steven said um hey man you miserable and you try to make everybody else miserable misery loves company and you try and i was like now now for one he's not even that the manager's name was was uh, I'm gonna call him William because that's a variation of his name. But I, I I'm just William was he was not being wild at night. He wasn't doing anything being himself. He's usually pretty straightforward, serious kind of guy. He wasn't smacking people in the head or hazing people or ugliness. Bobby Knight, you know, yelling at players and fighting them or whatever. Want to play? Then I'm getting the fuck out of here. I mean, if you're not going to recover Greg Graham, if you're just going to let him drive by you, if the rest of you are going to let him catch the ball outside the three-second lane and drive all the way in here without one guy challenging him, then I'm leaving and you fucking guys will run till you can't even suffer. Now, I'm tired of this shit. I'm sick and fucking tired of an 8-10 and record. I'm fucking tired of losing to Purdue. I'm not here to fuck around this week. Now, you may be, but I'm not. Now, I'm going to fucking guarantee you that if we don't play up there Monday night, you aren't going to believe the next four fucking days. Now, I am not here to get my ass beat on Monday. Now, you better fucking understand that right now. This is absolute fucking bullshit. Now, I'll fucking run your ass right into the ground. I mean, I'll fucking run you. You'll think last night was a fucking picnic. I had to sit around for a fucking year with an 8 and 10 record in this fucking land. And I mean, you will not put me in that fucking position again. Or you will goddamn pay for it like you can't fucking believe. Now you better get your head out of your ass.
Nothing like that. He was telling people to do the job. He was trying to be serious. There's a lot of things going on, so he's trying to focus. And uh, I um, I can't fault anyone who's trying to narrow their focus and produce results. And if sometimes they have to shh everybody down like a tennis or a golf tournament, a piano concert, whatever, so they can concentrate, then I understand why they want that. You know, what would you do if you were in the middle of a test and there was just music and noise and phones going off and whatever? Okay, now imagine running a business like that. Well, that's how some businesses are. Yes, but it does not, does not play along with the human mind to have all of those distractions and someone try to focus and achieve goals. So though the business may be an obnoxious cesspool of noise, it doesn't change that the person who's trying to navigate everything is wanting to slim down all of the distractions and be able to achieve progress. I know I am, but every day there's power equipment going on, there's music and screaming and loud bangs, and it's just how it is. And can you focus? Yeah, right here. I've got big stacks of paper on my desk. I don't know how many sheets are right here. There's benefits catalogs and where I need to reorder cigars and all kinds of stuff. I make lists. My dad made lists. And so I grab, you know, I'm doing this, and then I'm going to do the next thing, and that's, you know, one thing at a time. Uh, we, <laughs> My dad used to take two softballs, throw them up in the air, and put his glove behind his back, try to catch him going over. Not I throw my keys from behind my back to in front of me. He would throw a ball up in the air and then try to catch it behind his back. But he would throw two. And he'd always say, make sure one, go for two. And then there's the other ones, like if we were on a job site, they would say measure twice, cut once, right? So just It's a way of reassuring the outcome. Making a list so you don't forget it, et cetera, et cetera. And I just, um, I find it so strange that these basic tools are in front of like all of us. How many different applications are either available or already on your smart devices that you carry with us? And then folks forget things? Jesus. Consume less, remember more. <gasps> Wait, what? Yeah. You know. The less you put in your spoon, the more likely it is going to get to your mouth without dropping a bunch of the good stuff everywhere. If you fill your spoon up with cereal and milk and it's overflowing and you shake it off, you're barely going to get it to your mouth without dripping milk on the table. If you just take more spoonfuls with a little less in it, you would assure yourself of making a smaller mess. Now, anybody who's going to argue with that, well, what if you got tremors or what if an earthquake happens? What if some guy smacks you in the shoulder? Like, Just forget the unusual things. Forget the statistical part of it where you're like, hey, what if this thing's happened? What if it mixes in? Well, those are insignificant numbers, insignificant percentages. So we don't consider those. And when people are having debates about all kinds of political things, they throw up these wild numbers about things. But in the scheme of 
the society, many of those things are insignificant percentages. They're not forgotten, right? They're a percentage out of 100%. It's, you know, 0.3% doesn't affect whether we live or die or how we should make the laws. And for me, um, when I'm working with people, when I'm working with people from the, the audience who've contacted me about the show and asked me for advice and stuff, very simple guy. What do you want to achieve? Okay. What tools do you have to get there? All right. So you need either better knowledge or more tools most of the time, right? Sometimes you just need opportunity. You know, you've not had a chance to put your resources into play. But most of the time it's a resource problem. And that happens with everybody's life. you got this much time with work, kids, travel, and there's hard to get anything achieved in between. So you, either you need to change the lay of the land and work from home or have somebody else drive the kids or there's ways that you could change your navigation patterns and maybe you could free up some more time in the car make less trips that kind of thing many folks don't think that way you know they leave work and they go home oh i gotta go to the grocery store why don't you go to the grocery store on the way home go from work hit the grocery store go home you know Got an hour lunch break. Do you? How long is your drive to work? It's like ten minutes. Right. All right. Well, go to the grocery store, take the groceries home, and then go back to work. That'll be your lunch break. Eat in the car. Whatever. Oh, that's what I do. I'm trying to be productive. Like a lot of the time today. No, it was opening week of the New York Rangers. Uh, I have ESPN Plus. I was watching the Rangers. Um, played the Lightning. Played the Jets. Played the. <laughs> Minnesota Wild beat the hell out of them, and uh, and in the meantime, I was doing a few things on my other monitor. Anybody who's seen my setup on social media or otherwise, I've I've always got you know multiple things going for the most part. But it's important for me to focus. So I I also have a list I'm working from. Yes, the Rangers are on the list. Raking the yard is on the list. Organizing is on the list. I had an issue with my evergreens with some pests. Uh, that were in the, the potted plants. So I took care of that, you know. Modest things. But for some people, it's like, oh, they keep forgetting to do that. I go right in front of landscaping departments up and down the road that I live on every single day and did not grab the right uh, product to take care of those insects. For like three weeks. Every day. I'm, alright, I'm going to get that up. I'm going to get that today. I'm going to get it on the way home. <laughs> I didn't. And then one day, it was on the way home. And I already passed one of the places, two of the places. And I said, up, oh, I, I can still get in this driveway before I go on down the highway. Alright, make this turn. Alright, we'll backtrack just to 30 seconds. Grabbed it. Came on home. Problem solved. Had I written it down <clears throat> and practiced what I preach, that problem would have been eliminated a lot sooner. You know, it's about taking the time to do the homework, and um, it it relates back to the situation I said earlier. You know, I ended up getting somebody a, a vehicle that I I'm probably going to go in the red for. Uh, I don't have thousands and thousands of dollars sitting around to just you know 
do that. It would be nice, right? Everybody thinks that would be nice. Would it, though? Would you like to buy something for someone who is not gracious? They don't have appreciation for it. They're not planning to pay you back. Like, that's a very one-sided exchange in every aspect. To do something for someone that they are not appreciative of. No, you wouldn't want to buy a car for everybody. Why? Because they don't appreciate it. Because you worked hard to be able to do something for somebody who doesn't have any value attached to it. It was very valuable to you. Your time, resources, you know, that, that's ounces of your life that you're not going to get back. To them, it's like, oh, if I didn't have it, I would just do without. Oh. Well, you're a pretty miserable motherfucker, aren't you? <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? Um, yeah, I'm going through my list of, of some different things as I'm making my points here. But yeah, I, I said uh, I have honesty written on a piece of paper with an arrow pointing toward the word future. Yeah. You should have honesty from all points going forward. And I get given, you know, grief about that. But I'm I'm an information purpose. Honesty and information are parallels. They are equals. They are not uh, things that you can swap in and out. Okay? They're one and the same. So honesty and information go together. If somebody asks you for feedback, give them good feedback. If they ask you for uh, what right, wrong, or indifferent, tell them what happened. That's it. And then you never have to tell the story twice. You don't have to repeat yourself. I don't. You know, I don't have to retell it because I'm not trying to fill in the blanks or, or whatever. Uh, and I'm not trying to make up the, the story as we go along so I don't have to keep telling it from different angles. Uh, Katrina retail pre- preparations. Um, yeah, that was something I'm not, I'm not going to uh, I'll tell you this. Um, there are folks who work in the business world who expect everybody to be... Uh, it's an ambitious thing. You want everything to look as brand new as it ever could. Every store you go in, the idea that they want to give the leadership in those locations is that the store should look as new as possible every single moment of every single day. The, the shelves should be clean and well presented and labels out and everything full and that's that's how it should be. Like, when I say Katrina preparations, uh, what I had the example I had made is there are, are products in bags in different places, right? So, so you go to Walmart and they're selling mulch or whatever. Um, the manager wants those bags to look stacked and full and like, you know, they'll withstand the levees breaking and, and this is going to be the defense against the flooding that happened like in Katrina like it's it's and I'm not making fun or what anything I'm just saying that's how they want uh lawn and garden sections to look at uh, at retailers if you're a tractor supply or wherever you might be um they want their bags to be piled high and 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 done in a structured way it looks good easy to access uh and uh everything to look you know just fabulous and there's another part of uh philosophy and which would be you want it to look like somebody's been here you don't want it to look like nobody shops here think about that so there's two sides of that do you want your shirt to look brand new all the time do you well then how come you buy jeans with holes and tears and rips and it's what is it the name distressed 
All those things. Hats, everything. They they're, look like a dog chewed up your hat. My dogs did chew up my hats before it was ever sold like that at Abercrombie & Fitch. I didn't think the hat was worth more money to anybody else. It was valuable to me. I wore it all the time. My dog tore it up. That's fucking cool. Uh, you paid more money for a hat that they not only made all the way, but they made it in a fucked up way. <laughs> and somehow they still charged you full price for it. Imagine if they took your truck, beat the hell out of it, and sold it to you for retail or above. Um, yeah, this was my list to finish a writing project this week. That didn't happen. Didn't happen. Uh, I got several that are close. I started some new ones, so there there were steps taken. There was writing that was performed. It was just not... Um, uh, to a conclusion. So there was writing that happened. No conclusions were reached. Here is my list of codes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out uh, Christian was the guy's name, but the WWE um, changed leadership and everything else in the last several months. One of the things that also changed is the way they run their website, their merchandise, their um, fan stuff. So. I was trying to give an amazing birthday gift, which I have now, but it went through some struggles. I um I ordered something from my address in in my state to something halfway to, to be shipped halfway across the country to somebody else. I always play with my buddies' names whenever I'm I'm sending stuff. Uh, I'll put like detective or something in front of their name. And anyway, they flagged the order, canceled the order, didn't tell me, didn't call, text, nothing. Uh, I found out about it later, and uh, I, I scrutinized them about this. I said, look, I, I should have been told about this right away, so I could have fixed the situation and replaced the order or whatever. And they said, we're real sorry, and they gave me these uh, codes here for uh, coupons that were much higher percentages off. They actually gave me several of them. I, I can't fault that. Um I told him, I said, I'm trying to do business with you guys. I just got a promotion. I want to spend some money. I want to get some more. Uh, if you don't know this, you haven't seen them on social media or wherever. I have some wrestling belts. Um, and I've talked about this on the program. Keith at American Custom Signs, he changed the name. It used to be American Custom Leather. I think now it's American Custom Signs and Leather. But uh, Keith has done some phenomenal work for me, um, re-leathering several of my belts. Uh, to grade A leather. He makes uh, guitar straps and saddlebags and all kinds of stuff in the past before he, he got in the sign business. And uh, he's a very admirable guy. I mean, he went from that to, I mean, it's more lucrative and it makes more money, but he does the signs for the police, the fire trucks, real estate agents, all kinds of stuff. So when I went and visited his shop, he was loading up the trailer. He was, you know, putting stuff on new engines and going out and helping people sell houses. He's a great guy. Um, the, the leather work he did for me, it's nothing eccentric. It's not like, you know, the, the major belt makers. If you're a wrestling fan, you're listening to this. It's not like the major belt makers. It's not like he copied a bunch of stuff. I had him hand tool some stuff on a really nice piece of leather. I did not care about having some freelance, wild, um, uh, amazing design. Um, that was not the important thing to me. The, the quality of the leather was important. Having... Um, some kind of etching in the leather, so it goes around the border of the belt. He hand-temped all that. 
beautiful work. Um, and then some of those belts now are eight or nine years old. You can't tell that they're more than a day old. Uh, and I may do some more now that I've got some new WWE belts. Um, if you if you wonder what I got, over my shoulder is uh, a new um, winged eagle dual-plated whatever. You go to the WWE store, it's dual-plated winged eagle. It retails like $400. They gave me a coupon. I used a sale. I had some fan cash because I've made previous purchases. I didn't pay $400. It's a very nice belt. And if you've been collecting belts as long as I have, and that's 23 years, 23 years now, um, that was a good fucking $400. I would have paid more, uh, especially having having it in hand now. Um, what does it do for you? It's nostalgia. It's That belt means as much to me as uh, probably the Roberto Clemente pennant that's over my dad's shop bench or how he keeps his old... Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates or Pfeiffer University batting helmets and things like that. They're just um, they're keepsakes. It's a reminder of being young. That's all it is. My grandma had um, uh, cracker boxes, but it's not. It's a cracker tin. Zesta crackers on their anniversary will sell like a big metal uh, Zesta box. Moon Pie does this. They had Moon Pie. They do it every Christmas, I think, too. Moon Pie will sell you a commemorative or a uh, for that year or whatever, they, they sell a metal box of moon pies. You see this every year with Oreo cookies. Anybody looking to give me a gift, by the way, those are amazing. I, those are my favorite, the uh, uh, white fudge Oreos that come in the tin. Uh, well, you can get them in the box for like three seventy nine every year. But they come in a tin, and, and I, I buy those tins because I eat the cookies. But then I give other people gifts in the tin. So it, it's, a, it's a storage container. It's a gift box. It keeps on giving. Um, I'm not giving my belts away just yet, even though I have sent some <clears throat> down to Florida that uh, ended up in the wrong hands. So so that happens. That's why you don't give your belts away. They might end up with a gingerbread man. Unfortunately, I had that belt once, and I gave it to Bret Hart because they just ring, and then airports, and people go and show them. I'm like, what a waste of time. Only people that need a belt are ones that can't draw money on their own. And I'm like, what are you doing? Um, I just, I think the other thing that was important to me is that I've entertained the idea of, uh, you know, I talked about the dating application and stuff that I've written for my website. People have asked me, you got a promotion, you're, you're single? I, I am. I know I seem like I should probably have every loose end tied up. Um, but, I, you hear that? That's how quiet my house is. I, I kind of like it that way. It's great to have a companion and have somebody that you, you love, movies and music and references. But I got friends that, you know, there's nothing that can... I don't see how anything could organically ever even, you know, uh, approach the the complicated layers of inside jokes and referencing all the the wild shit over the last however many years of, of back into history. I make historical jokes all the time. A lot of it I lived, right? So a lot of pop culture references. But it's... The odds of having a partner, best friend, lover, woman, whatever, who could, um, who you could just like plug into that, (laughs) 
It's like those insignificant statistics I talked about earlier. I'm not looking that hard. Um, I, I, I like uh, peace and quiet. I like my writing. I, I enjoy a lot of the, the downtime that I have. I work very, very hard for my dollars. Uh, I've got black and blue fingers right now where I smashed and broke some fingernails at the base. Your cuticle that goes down and it's up against the skin of your fingers. I actually broke the fingernail almost all the way across there, and so it had you know some very ugly grape juice and deep red, and it had some variations of blood and pus and other liquids coming out of that thing for several days. Uh, now I'm hoping that it grows up and comes out the top. But I was urged by my mother, who's you know National Nurses Honor Society. She hires CEOs and board members for a living. She's she's high up in the medical field. She knows what she's talking about. Whenever she's giving me just regular advice, she's been you know in emergency rooms since the seventies. Uh, she said you should go to urgent care and let them look at it. They might need to take your fingernail off. Da da da. da. I came home. I decided I was going to find a way to cut this fingernail like down the middle, like the Red Sea in Moses, uh, or cut it down from the top. Anyway, I was going to find a way for the blood that was underneath it to get to daylight. And so I started cutting the fingernail with fingernail clippers, a little bit at a time, down the nail. Left, middle, right, back again. I made it like halfway down the fingernail, and this is a an extremely intense feeling. Let's put it that way. I was sitting in a hot bathtub, uh, and I, and I, from what I've seen from other people, I I can put up with a lot of of things uh, being you know shocked through my nervous system. That was fairly intense. It wasn't the end of the world, but you could feel it, like with every heartbeat. For whatever reason, I guess it, the finger was still like very, you know, it was it was pulsating. And um, I poured some uh, water on it, and I finally like got the the blood to come out from underneath it. And I thought, all right, all right, it's fine. Now I'm gonna clean it. Now that it's missing half the fingernail, it's cracked at the bottom. And there's whatever's in there it needs to be cleaned. So I poured alcohol on it. Surprisingly, alcohol didn't... You can feel it. It's intense. It's its kind of hot, you know. Not what you would expect, considering what was about to come. I, um... I poured, uh... Hydrogen peroxide on my finger. And uh, it's the only thing I can equate it to, to, to so you can visualize it if you've seen Chuck Polinix, if you've seen Fight Club and Brad Pitt or Tyler Durden, he, he, he holds his hand and he says, What is this? He said, This is a lie. And this is a chemical burn. What is this? This is a chemical burn. Ah, ah, ah. It'll hurt more than you've ever been burned, and you will have a scar. What are you doing? Guided meditation worked for cancer. It could work for this. Stay with the pain. Don't shut this out. No, no, no. Look at your hand. The first soap was made from the ashes of heroes, like the first monkey shot into space. 
Without pain, without sacrifice, we would have nothing. I tried not to think of the word serum or flesh. Stop it! This is your pain. This is your burning hand. It's right here. I'm going to my cave. I'm going to my cave. I'm going to find my power animal. No! Don't deal with it the way those dead people do. Come on! I get the boy, okay? No, what you're feeling is premature and light. Moment of your life, man, and you're off somewhere missing. I am not. Shut up. Our fathers were our models for God. If our fathers bailed, what does that tell you about God? No, no, I don't. Listen to me. I have to consider the possibility that God does not like you, he never wanted you. In all probability, he hates you. This is not the worst thing that can happen. It isn't. We don't need him. We don't agree. I Fuck damnation, man. Fuck redemption. We are God's unwanted children, so be it! Listen! You can run water over your hand and make it worse, or look at me! Or you can use vinegar to neutralize the burn. Please let me have it, please! First, you have to give up. First, you have to know, not fear, know that someday you're gonna die. You don't know how this feels! It's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. Congratulations. You're one step closer to hitting bottom. It was a chemical burn that I was sensation is is the only thing I can liken it to describe it as. I mean, is beyond anything I have ever continuously felt. I could feel myself in in a position where I was probably going to pass out. Um, of my own accord, not just from pouring peroxide on it. Let, let me be clear about this. Um, I poured it on there, and it was like it was something else. And I'm doing it in front of a bathroom mirror, so I can see veins in my neck that probably didn't exist before. So I, I said, "Man, it's still stinging. It's still hurting. It must not be must not be clean." I poured the cap full of hydrogen peroxide. And turned my fingers upside down and just laid them in there. Just laid it in there. No fingernail. That raw area that's already in a lot of pain. It's pulsating. It's throbbing. Well, I left it in there. It it made me want to like start shaking. I didn't, but I could. I was like, man, like this is why people would dance around and. It's kind of like some movie where something hurts so bad in one place you kick your toe and then your toe hurts or you know it's like you want to like just shoot me you know <laughs> whatever. Um, my dad called on the phone in the middle of this and I so I picked up the cap I laid on the floor laid the cap on my chest put my finger in the cap on my chest and just talked to my dad with my phone on speakerphone on my chest also <laughs> so I'm laying there flat talking to dad. Fingers soaking, it is hurting in a new way. And he's like, you all right? I hear you. I said, yeah, da 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 fingernail. And he reminds me of my uncle, who smashed his hand with a hammer years ago and decided he needed to relieve the pressure. So he goes out to his woodworking shop, 
He lays his finger down underneath the drill press. Don't get ahead of me on this. If you ever used a drill press, you ever seen one, Google it. But a, a drill press has, it's got a bit, and then it to guide it down, it's got these, it looks like the flux capacitor. It's got, his does. It's got three handles on it. They, it's uh, like, um, I guess like 2 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 11 o'clock or whatever. Um, and you, you spin those handles, you know, one by one to get it a little closer or whatever. So apparently he, he did this. He drove the drill, the bit, into his finger. But the bits are designed to feed into something and grip and pull into the surface they're in pulled right into his finger right through the fingernail into his finger almost out the other side um and dad was reminding me of this and i was <laughs> i didn't need to laugh i already got a phone laying on my chest and peroxide and fingers but i chuckled a little bit and it, it took my mind off of it for a minute he said what we learned from that is you take the bit out of the drill press you put a nail in there and then you put the nail through your through your fingernail and drive a hole, and then you get the blood out. Somebody else at work had told me you heat up a needle real, real hot and punch it with a needle, and it'll come out. I didn't have to do any of that. Whatever I did broke the nail. All I had to do was push real hard, and it would open the nail from one side to the other. And it let the fluid back out. Um, what my pain came from is because I was boom and I cut my fingernail down to like halfway down where the nail used to be and then exposed all of that under, uh, if it's skin or whatever that is, whatever's underneath your fingernails, I exposed all of that directly to the outside world and to hydrogen peroxide. So it's kind of like having your nails peeled off, which I'm sure is very, very painful for anybody who's ever done it I, you used to hear in the passion of war they would drive bamboo shoots under people's fingernails or they would pull their fingernails off that's what if, i mean I, I literally cut my fingernail halfway off on purpose but then i soaked it in peroxide which was i assume is like two different forms of torture Honestly, um, I wouldn't do it again. I wouldn't want, unless I had to, wouldn't want to do it again. It's not, you know, could I have passed out? Perhaps. I had already passed out once that week. What? I gave blood. I, whenever they released a tourniquet, usually if I'm sitting up, it's, uh, lights out. And this woman, 65 or whatever she was, who's taking my blood, um, is talking to me and I'm telling her about work and you know it's getting colder and whatever it was. She releases it and I can tell that my speech starts going this. She said, you're turning white. I said, I bet I am. And so she steps beside of me. I'm in one of these blood-giving chairs. You sit 90 degrees, you lay your elbows on the, it's like the old desk. And, um, uh, she stood next to the chair and had me lean my shoulder or my head into her. This lady didn't weigh 110 pounds. And she was like, she said, just just breathe real slow. And whatever. I, I tried to keep talking to her. I passed out. And like the people who have 
been in uh, the responsible position before when I've passed out. She swore up and down I didn't pass out. There was time missing. <laughs> you know, I I know what happened, and that's fine, but, you know, at least be honest with me, right? <laughs> I would have been honest. You passed out. They didn't want to be honest. So that goes back to what I was talking about earlier in this episode. Honesty. Just tell them the right information. It's fine. I know that. And what she did to help me for the future is said, if you'll just lay down, the blood won't leave your head and you won't pass out. So just lay down when you're giving blood. I said, okay. I said, I've done that before and I didn't pass out. She said, okay. I knew that, but I was feeling lucky that day. Because I've given blood sitting up and not passed out. Um, it's it's unreliable. Let's put it that way. What else is on this sheet of paper? Uh, Yeah, but I don't necessarily want to share that. I, I have written down from three to eight. Um, in my previous job, I was responsible for about... I don't know, a hundred, hundred, you know, hundreds of dollars worth of stuff that I could make decisions with on a daily basis. Um, but anyway, that was what was called my threshold. That was my the only limit I had was a hundred and whatever dollars um, to make decisions. Uh, now all of the decisions that I make affect my new role, um, and over the course of a year, there's eight figures in what passes through uh, what I'm responsible for. That's, that's a lot. Um, that's a lot of change from th- from three digits to eight digits. Um, I, I take it very, very seriously. Um, what can I say? Um, I feel uh, a, a different sense of responsibility. I look at it. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a math and science guy, remember? So uh, I've stepped my game up tremendously. Um, promiscuity and the public basketball court. That was a statement that I made to somebody. They asked me about my past, about, you know, uh, dating or, you know, if you've done frivolous things, if you've been promiscuous, fooled around with people or whatever. And I said, yeah, I said, but it's, I went the long way around describing it. And I happened upon this, the subconscious lottery that I have. I happened upon this comparison that I could make. A lot of my physical uh, exchanges that I've had with other people, um, fooling around, whatever, right, Um, have been like a pickup basketball game or challenging someone to a basketball game on some kind of community court. Um, Here is uh, this girl... um, I don't know, pick a name, Larry, uh, Abigail, uh, who's the girl from the Stephen King movies, Christine, whatever, that's the car, well anyway, uh, whoever I might have been talking to, um, that person um, was like my opponent for the day. We didn't meet with these righteous intentions of long-term dating and blah, blah, blah. It was, hey, I'm Michael. Uh, I'm, I'm good at what I do. Probably the best at what I do. Oh, yeah. And however many 
climaxes later. I have, this is where I'm going to open my glasses and put them on like a wise man. However many climaxes later, I have <clears throat> proven my point. I have won the game. We were trash talking. I backed up everything I said and more. Now, you go tell all your friends who the baddest motherfucker on the block is. <laughs> you know, bad, bad Leroy Brown, the baddest man in the whole damn town. Um, kind of how I looked at it. There's a lot of people that I didn't think were worth my time, but we got into these little debates. I thought they were kind of cute or something. And for some reason, I decided, you know what? I'm going to prove a point here. I can't say that I feel good about, you know, even like the stories that I have about that stuff. I'm not just going to spill them out here on the podcast. I just, I've told certain things privately with people who are, you know, ask me questions or we have that kind of bond where I can, you know, give them information or they trust me or whatever. But I just, um, I don't know. I, I feel bad about those things, you know what I mean? Um, And, I don't know, it feels like I spent all that time and I have nothing to show for it. I don't have any championship belts from back then or whatever, whatever it might be. It's just a silly piece of my past. Um, You could call it practice makes perfect or whatever, but I knew going in, like, here I am. Maybe I'll experience something with this person that will surprise me, and I'll want to stay with them, or they'll show me a new trick, or whatever it is. So you mess around with them. And then, you're like, wow, that was, yeah. That went exactly the way I thought it was going to go. I did what I do. Uh, They are a fresh person. But uh, much like the relationship that I I was in last, um, I, I brought everything to the table um and i don't feel like i learned anything except where not to do business anymore you know um where i won't find what i'm looking for where there's not competition um i've felt like that professionally too i mean as you know you you get into a job and you're like it's the job and it, it's giving me money and i'm gonna do what i can for them but it does not do like the best of your abilities. It's not a place that you find happiness. It's it's a place for now. It's temporary. I don't I don't like temporary like that. Like, I just don't. And um, I I don't know. I got, I got plenty of stories. Some of them are funny and interesting. And oh my God, you did what? What happened? How many people? You know. But, um... I don't know. It's like... If you're out there and you've been in the situations where you just were like, okay, you know what? This feels good for right now. This is temporary. This is fine. I'm okay with that, etc., etc. I look back at those situations, and I tell you what changed is I was uh, had legal pads, and I was writing all of my stories back then down on legal pad, and so that was the rough draft. 
and then I would have I don't know five or, t- or seven of them or whatever, and I would sit down at a computer later, a week later, whatever, and I would begin to type them up and proofread them, and slowly they would make one by one to my website. It's called the what I call the pipeline. I've always got more stories that either aren't typed up or aren't on the website. And that was the goal when I started the podcast was to always kind of have another one in the can or you know on on in my computer memory, whatever. At some point, I was given opportunities more than one, and somebody was you know hey. You know, you, you got blue eyes and blonde hair and big shoulders and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. What about it? Well, you know, I know there's a legal pad over there and I can write something down and it's going to be like in my website or like I'm going to be really happy with the finished result. I love spending my time doing that. I have something to show for it. It may or may not be something that ever gets published or whatever. However... I feel like I grow from those experiences of sitting down and writing like that. I don't feel like I grow from these promiscuous, you know, uh, winner-takes-all challenges where I just slay one more vagina and, you know, throw it into the cornfield. I don't, you know, you ain't been with me. Well, all right, well... And I'm okay with that because I know that the story I'm going to write is better than the sex I'm going to have. So, you know, it's not better than the sex that you're going to have, but it's you get the best of both worlds. You get the the best D and and you get to read the best story. Me, um, I have to develop the story, edit it, write it, do all the legwork, and I have to put all the performance in in the physical arena. Um... What are you going to do for me? Well, you know, I, uh, that's okay. It's okay. I'm like that with entertainers and whatever, you know, I've, I've bought tickets to certain things and then sold them real time right here. I just got a notification from, um, Ticketmaster, um, that my Iron Maiden tickets that I had for Wednesday, October the 25th are sold, um, but I, I, I've been listening to Iron Maiden a long time. I, I've been happy to go, but I, I don't know. I don't like the, the beast. I don't like how many dollars change hands and the ugly places they go for concerts. So I don't support the culture. Uh, I shouldn't have bought the tickets. But I, I, I let somebody else be part of that. Um, but I, you know, it, it's like, all right, I gotta get ready. I got to drive over there and... and it's fine because I'm sure it would be a really, really great show. However, I um, I don't know. I just I feel like I'll do something better with my time Wednesday night. I may sit around and listen to Iron Maiden or watch them perform at Rock and Rio or whatever if I want that music. But it, I've gotten to as I'm getting older. Um, I'm reminded of this quote that Bret Hart gave. He is, um, probably October of 1995. And they're doing this interview with with Bret Hart and Diesel because they're going to have the big WWF championship match at the Survivor Series. And, um, 
they uh, are, are sitting there talking about, you know, what does it mean to both competitors? What does that championship mean? This is why I have a copy of that belt. Um, and they're talking about, you know, what it means to be the champion, and they tell Bret Hart, you, you've been the champion before, so are you coming back? Do you, is it about the fame? Is it about the money? Is it about... <laughs> he says, no, it's, it's, it's not those things. He says... And he's reading, and I'll have to look it up. But he's talking about this quote where um, there's a point in people's lives that you're an ambitious person. You want to pursue life and liberty and happiness and all those things. Um, And what he says is that he's still chasing it. He says that he said there's a point in your life where um, I'm trying to see if I can get the exact quote here. He says there's a point in your life you reach where your um, memories are greater than your dreams. And he said I'm not there yet. And as far as he says, Doug Ivester, never let your memories be greater than your dreams. Um. All right, Brenton, one final question to you. You've done it all. You've done it all twice. Two-time WWF Tag Team Champion, Intercontinental Champion, World Wrestling Federation Champion. What makes Bret Hart tick? Why does Bret Hart reach for this brass ring, if you would, one more time? Is it, is it the money? Is it the glory? What is it, Bret? What, what's driving well, you? Well, certainly not the money. And... Uh... I think what it really comes down to, there's a certain point in your life where your memories, you know, they become more important your, than your dreams. And uh, there's, there's a certain time when you reach that, and I haven't reached that yet. And uh, last year I was uh, interrupted with my World Wrestling Federation Championship reign. I was interrupted, and I got one title shot. No winner was declared. And as far as I'm concerned, for the last year, Diesel's been walking around with my title, my championship belt. And... Uh, it's time to find out who is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Well, gentlemen, it is all about memories. It is all about dreams and about ambition. The best of luck to both of you this Sunday night. Thanks, Vince. Yeah, I mean, I, I, but I feel like in some aspects, like I've reached a point where, and I've talked about being retired from dating or whatever else on this podcast. Um. I just, I don't know. I don't feel this wild, earth-shaking, you know, place that I'm in where I'm content with the amount of writing or the completion, <laughs> the conclusion that I'm coming to with writing, uh, the consistency with the podcast, with work, with the, the changing of the seasons and the elements and everything else. I... I feel like there's there's too many moving pieces uh, to the ship's out at sea, and we're adjusting to the elements and we're making our journey right now. Now we may come to port sometime sooner than later, but this is not the time to to add someone into the mix uh, if there ever will be. 
And someone from the past, it, you would think, all right, well, they're already familiar, and then they can kind of like, you know, you don't have to do all the catching up. You already have a history. You're familiar with each other. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the last situation I came out of, you know, I, I wrote this really long sort of, I, I wrote feedback. That's what I did. I wrote an email, and I said, I said look, you, here are things that you could genuinely work on if you want to. And I went through a, a whole host of what goes on in my life, what my family history is like, what I hope for the the dynamic and the reputation to be. But if you're just grabbing somebody and you're like, no, nah, we love each other and we're like Mickey and Mallory Knox from Natural Born Killers. We're, you know, like you're just going to fight the world and you don't care what people think and it's only the two of you and it doesn't matter whether they integrate into your family tree, history, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think that for me, I care. Somebody else may throw that out the window. Maybe they don't care. You know, that's that's their thing. I do. I'm I'm trying to have some sort of stability, structure, legacy, that kind of thing. And it, it's difficult for me to uh, just look at probably the anyone below, you know, like the 85th percentile of of any given, you know, class or or whatever else and think they keep up with me uh on a decision-making level, on an intellectual level. Um, I've met people who are smart asses and humor is, is more prevalent, but intelligence is super important to me. Um, I've let it go in the past, but as I've gotten older, it's more important to me. Why would you be pissing away time, doing things twice as hard, using up extra resources? It doesn't make any sense. I politically don't agree with a... I would be the insignificant statistic. I don't agree with almost everything that goes along politically. There's too much in terms of the way that people just consume things and then try to set the system up for further consumption. There's no discipline. People just they spend their last dollars. They don't care if the money comes from somebody else. They're not gracious to try to pay people back and, and be like this um incredible guest in this world of where we we hardly know most of the people in our lives i mean you you get together on social media and you have all these numbers but you don't know people there's not familiarity and community well um that is important to me so i'd rather have a higher uh, quality of life with fewer people whatever that number may be Whatever spots at the table may go unfilled and, and, and maybe the spouse or the girl or whatever is missing. might happen that way because uh, it, not, it has less to do with settling and more to do with quality. I'm not trying to get somebody up to speed or drag somebody along or whatever. If I can do high-quality uh creative content and writing, if I can pursue and affect a lot of other people with my career uh, and be a better you know, dad or a better member of the community, I'm very okay with that. 
And I don't need to selfishly have some girl who can, you know, do things. Uh, she can give you the Hurricane Katrina from the neck up, right? Well, that's, ooh, I'm sure that'll make you melt and you'll be, you know, reproducing sperm for just days and days because she leaves you, you know, as dry as a carcass in the African Sahara. But I don't care about that. Um, insignificant percentages. Even if you had someone who wants to fool around with you several times a day, that's still an insignificant percentage of your day. To have someone who's intelligent or cleans up after themselves, they have gratitude, they, they can, you know, pick up where you left off. Hey, I, hey, there's some stuff in the kitchen. Will you take care of that? Okay, great. And they take care of that. But too many times in my life, you know, my experience with someone has been they don't uh, take responsibility. They're not accountable. You know, they, um, they're more than happy to be like part of something. They're never going to take a leadership role. Um, <laughs> I, I'll share this with you. I shouldn't, but I was, you know, I was having a difficult conversation with somebody that I was trying to work something out with relationship wise. She was in a financial, um, free fall is what she was in. I mean, what do you want me to say? You want me to say something more politically correct? She was not making all of her bills. She was, <laughs> she was in a free fall. And was not kind of happy about it. She wanted to make more money, was willing to work a second job, was going out of her way, right? Can't fault that for putting in effort. However, she would not cut her spending, would not make the other difficult, sacrificial decisions to balance her budget. So I I thought that was an issue, and I tried to say things about it to her, and she didn't want to talk about it. All right. And one evening, she says, you know, if you wanted to have a long-term relationship, doesn't that mean, like, for richer, for poorer, and all that stuff? Like, even if... What she was alluding to was, if she is going to overspend and go into debt, whoever she's dating should just be willing to make up for her debt, and that would be, like, their dynamic. And I said... You're asking for somebody to be your sugar daddy. And she said, no. And I said, well, if you can outspend the relationship, they are propping you up financially. I'm not going to let you spend more than you make because that's just reckless. And the problem that I have with that is that is not a 50-50 situation of richer or poorer or whatever you're trying to convey. Because I can't break my leg and get sick and be out of work or in the hospital or whatever else because you can't make both of our bills. I can't make both of our bills because you outspend any one person. You've got double bills, and so there's me and your two sets of bills, and you're working twice as hard to try to keep up with two sets. Cut out a set of bills. No, no, I'm not going to do that. All right, well, then I I can't help you with that because you're trying to live a... She's not on heroin or something, but she might as well be because the amount of money she was having to spend to keep up her... For, to keep from going homeless or to, to feed the, the machine, whether it's credit cards or rent or whatever it was, was beyond her means, beyond most people's means. 
just was. And I just thought, wow, that's, mm, no, 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 stop it. You need to rethink, like, from the ground up, you need to rebuild this. If you drop, she had two different occupations. If you drop one occupation, you'll make your bills. I'm not doing that. Well, then you're not going to make your bills. It's that simple. It really is. If I tie a big, you know, 700-pound kettlebell to one of your legs and try to tell you to run, you ain't going nowhere. So you can either drop the kettlebell or you ain't going nowhere. And the same thing is true financially. If I said, you make $1,000 a month, your bills are $1,200 a month, what are you going to do to make them? Uh, oh, i got to make $200 extra. You could. Could you cut your spending by $200 extra? I'd cut my spending by $400. Oh, <laughs> you don't have to work any harder, do you, dumbass? I just, I'm not a fan of this wild stuff that people do. One of the wonderful videos that I saw on YouTube, and I cannot remember his specific name. There's a guy who travels, and he gets uh, a shave and a haircut in these, um, you know, legendary places. You know, whatever's, whatever that means in his world, where it's like a world-famous barbershop or something. So he goes out to Arizona, and he's getting a, a shave and a haircut from this old barber. And the barber's talking to him about how when new people move into town, they want to know where to find the places to buy stuff for their house. Because he talks about how him and his wife have lived there for 40 years. There's stuff in their rooms, on their shelves. They have a house that is fully decorated. It is a collection of the last 40 years of living there. No conversation. The world has is forgetting about conversation. The world is forgetting about morning, good morning, how are you? Yeah. They're so busy and occupied with themselves they have time for no one. Nobody else, yeah. And this is with fathers and mothers, especially with fathers and mothers, they are not giving their children the tools that they need. And those tools are teaching them to be respectful, to do for themselves. Does the average 16-year-old today know what a hammer is? A pick, a shovel, a crowbar, a screwdriver? They don't know the slightest things about that. Yeah. There's a business down the street. They gave him a push broom to sweep the sidewalk. The push broom is long. You're supposed to push. Oh, he was way down there. He did not know how to use a push broom. It is sad, sad, sad. And now we have a generation or two. It took my wife years and years and years and years to accumulate what we have. Mm -hmm. And young people in their 20s and 30s and 
Man, they want everything right now. Who owes it to them? I don't owe it to them. They owe it to themselves. But they think society owes them. Mm -hmm. No sirree. Society doesn't owe them anything. He says new folks come in and they want to know where to buy stuff. They're trying to fill up all their, they want to fill their house up day one. They don't leave any room for growth. They don't think about how other people, it took them a lifetime to collect those things. And that's a, a record of their travels and their memories. They're trying to buy something and decorate every fucking room immediately. Number one, financially, you're not even supposed to be able to do that. Not that's just how the model is. I mean, it, like you, you make X number of dollars, and that gets you your bills and a few extra things and a few extra things. And over the course of time, you can buy enough extra things. But for the most part, people who could even make enough money to furnish their house and do all these wild things usually have so much student debt to get into those jobs, and they shouldn't be doing it anyway. It's very rare for that to happen. Right, you can fill it up from Goodwill and yard sales and Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist now, right? But you can't do what, you know, you're, you can't have a house as nice as your grandma's right away because it took grandma a long time to fucking put her legacy together. What would it even mean for you to tattoo your whole body when you're 18 years old? Oh, uh, well, yeah, uh, I guess you wouldn't have anywhere to go. No, you wouldn't. You just, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. And I just, um, I don't know. It's very, um, it's very troubling to me. It's like this wild thing, um, I just, I don't know what I want to say. Um, it's one of those things where you and I, if you're on the other side of the fence, are just not going to meet in the middle on this. Because I think that there's too many uh, degrees of patience involved. And um, it's like, how do you teach people patience? How do you teach them the discipline and the reward of... Uh, oh, God. Um, is that from Superman, Man of Steel? A good death is its own reward? Right, like one of the, the Kryptonians or whatever says it. Good death is its own reward. Um, but it is. I mean, that's that's where you're looking. It's it's one of those things where they'll never understand the the sacrifice of being a, a sworn officer or being in the military or, or whatever else where they make the investment 
And up front, too, right? You're putting your body and everything on the line for the idea or for, for something that is not promised. They're looking to see and feel things. It's a vanity thing. It's a, the name of the podcast originally, Escaping Vanity. They want shiny stuff, and they want it all around them. They want something all around them. Make them feel better. Like it's going to create a fucking force field or something. I have... Uh, let me think about this for about 10 seconds. I'll walk through my house with you. On my wall, is there anything hung on my wall? There's a painting hung above my kitchen table that I hung. My, my mother gave me. Uh, I have two or three different poems hung up in the... Two, two poems hung up in the kitchen on the corridor. And... Um, Mm, there's is there nothing there's nothing hung on the wall throughout the rest of the house until you get to my office door and i have two different uh paintings uh, or, well they're two different my kids were young they drew you know here's dad and i'm listening to music with them or taking them shopping or whatever it was a father's day thing and they're framed outside my office i think my kids were like three and five or four and six that's hanging on the wall. And then in my office, there is stuff hanging on the wall. The rest of the house hasn't been decorated. Um, I don't know why. I got a lot of stuff hanging up. I just didn't hang it up. I think I've been through this in other episodes. But there's Johnny Cash and The Shining and Shawshank Redemption and Henry. There's Michael Jordan. The Last Supper with all the horror movie characters. And then Dances with Wolves. Rambo. Noel Gallagher's got to be on the wall or Oasis. But I, it's Noel Gallagher for now. Uh, and the other thing that is hanging on the wall is a photograph of me and my children. <laughs> I've forgotten that's up there. Above it is a bumper sticker that says, No airbags, we die like real men. Above the bumper sticker that says, No airbags, we die like real men, is a poster of Chris Cornell, lead singer of Audio Slave and Soundgarden and... and uh, head of his charity and all that stuff. Chris Cornell is a fabulous guy. Was a fabulous guy. But I just, I, I, I can't see, you know, trying to just go through and just recklessly just fill the whole house up, decorate it right away, day one. I've been here almost a year, and I, I have no ambition to put anything else uh, on the wall uh, right now. If I get some more posters, I might. I've got several that are, they need to be hung. Godzilla and... Ford versus Ferrari and stuff that'll go in my office. This this fanboy kind of stuff that I have. Um, and then there's there's wrestling belts that are displayed in a couple of different places in the house, uh, along with books um, that are on shelves. But um, I just you know I'm in one of these places where um, I don't know. I just I want for things to be like um organized, but I want to almost have like my own stuff to tell my story or to 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 be my journey. Uh whereas like a lot of the things that are not hung up are things that somebody in the family gave to me. And I I I don't mind. I'll probably put them up somewhere and say, "Hey, this was something that came from so and so's collection or somebody's office or whatever." And I like that. 
But to to fill your house up with, you know, things from Amazon and Goodwill and Facebook Marketplace and all that, I just can't see it. Uh, I don't see the... To me, that's like your sexual history being the playground, you know, winner takes all... Uh, take <laughs> take on all comers uh, that uh, I've had in my past. And it doesn't mean anything. I would much rather have had a meaningful, you know, history with somebody uh, on a on a consistent basis, like a, a, an actual relationship that's back and forth and that kind of thing. But instead, you know, there's these, you know, random, you know, things that I don't even know who I would share those stories with, and I'm going to tell them here. But yeah, they're they're entertaining, they're interesting, but like it doesn't mean anything. It's not going to make me a better person in a relationship. Doesn't make me a better. Um, I don't see how it makes me a better leader at work, a better father, or whatever. I tell my daughter what not to do. Tell my sons what not to do. But you know, other than that, it's like it's wasted. I'd have much rather been writing. Yeah, I'd be a better writer. Maybe I'd maybe I'd follow things things through and. Uh, finish them nowadays the works that i have going um there's about 30 of them that are open that are not finished but my my favorite one uh is the frost piece is what i'd like to finish i don't have a deadline for it because i want it to be high quality but at the same time i feel like if i don't sit down and and put it on my list not gonna finish it i think if you have these things in your life you should put them on your list you should finish them the reason I told the story about the car and all that stuff earlier is because I thought I was very well um uh, what am I wanting to say? I, I thought I had great resources and I had the best set of circumstances going into uh November and Christmas. Black November, Black Friday and Christmas. I thought, okay, I got promoted, I had some money in the bank. And I planned on this year being like the year, right? I got a promotion. I've had that that winged eagle belt that I opened. I've had it since April. I refused to open it until I felt like I was like, it's going to be for a special occasion. I opened it one with my best friend. I sent him one for his birthday. That was the problem that I had with the Fanatics people. They're right with me. I'll endorse them every day of the year. Uh, but we opened them together on Skype, on camera. That was really cool. Um, we've been friends for... 20 plus years now um and my my thing was i got i'm finally promoted i've been doing what i'm supposed to be doing i'm in leadership all right money put back gonna give everybody a good christmas it's gonna be awesome ran into a situation i said you know what i i can help this situation right here right now instead of other people having a really great christmas what i'm gonna do is risk this today i'm gonna go ahead and help someone with a vehicle it's going to burn up all the money right now, a lot of it. Um, hopefully, it'll replenish itself. Whatever way, maybe it'll replenish itself before the big discounts and the big shopping comes along. I would say the odds are against it, but I've still got my fingers crossed. And I may end up doing more than what I should do anyway. And paying it off later. But, you know, I if you're out there 
and you have the chance um, to do something magical for someone, all I would tell you is weigh it out. That's the most important aspect of risk assessment. Weigh it out. Be analytical. Have critical thinking for each thing that you're trying to do. Some of the most important people in my life, you know, my mother, somebody was telling me, you know, that I spoke to them like I didn't love them. You know, trying to put some real zing on what they were saying to me. And I said, hold on now. There's nobody in my life I love more than my mother. And she... She understands how I talk to her, but we have to have like a cooling off period or go out to dinner afterwards or something because she says, Michael, you speak to people like they like they're an idiot. I feel like an idiot after I talk to you. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's two different things to talk to someone and talk down to them like they are an idiot. And then like for them to feel like you're, you know. It's, it's the stage that you set. Are you hitting them with a hammer? Okay, you, then you're flattening them out. Or are you building the stage too big and they feel tiny? So the problem that I run into with professional or personal is that I consistently want to ask the most basic questions. Where do we want to go with this? Okay, here's how we get there. How much do you want done today? All right. What resources are you doing in what um, proportions? Right? So I have me and my significant other. We both make $500 a week. Our bills are more than $1,000 a week. We either got to cut the bills back or work more. Uh, oh, she broke her leg. I So she's only going to make... this week, $200 this week. Guess who's got to make all the extra money? Me. Me. Um, That's how that works. And if if I'm at work and they say we need, you know, if you're at a job and your job is to to build cars and they say, okay, we're going to give you these, this crew of however many people and, you know, they're, fully supplied and all the trucks are coming in we got the doors and the gadgets and the computer systems and everything right it's ready to build the cars every car takes 20 hours to get off the line gonna build five cars a week oh okay well five cars 20 hours of cars 100 hours a week all right we need to set our schedule up so we got to 100 hours worth of manpower every week no 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 no. we only got two full-time guys well they're gonna both have to work 50 hours or we're gonna make less than our quota for cars. Is how it is. Or you're going to make the cars faster, like in less than 20 hours. Oh, okay, yeah. So, okay, five cars, two guys work full-time. That's 80 hours, right? 40 hours for one guy, 40 hours for one guy. That's 80 hours. How can we make five cars in 80 hours? Uh, That's 16 hours a car, right? Yeah, but if you dummy it down... Four hours, four out of 20 being 20%. Um, how are you going to cut the time to make the car by 20% without affecting the quality or the process? And there's a lot of options. There's a lot of things that answer that 
you know, if you're doing self-checkout and you self-checkout can run, you know, eight registers with eight customers checking themselves out, you can do it with one or two cashiers. What? Yeah, but people steal stuff at self-checkout. Well, okay. Well, then consider this. Um, I only need one cashier to run those eight registers, and I pay that cashier maybe a little bit, maybe maybe a little bit more, maybe the same, right? So, so that cashier is making the same as when we cut seven people. So every cashier was making ten bucks. That's eight cashiers times ten bucks would be eighty dollars an hour. We're paying in labor. Got to run all those registers, all those machines, whatever, right? We still got to run the machines for self checkout, just not the cashiers. Oh wait, wait a minute now. What about conveyor belts? That's right. You can cut out all that conveyor belts, all that crazy shit that you have to have stocking all that stuff around the self checkout. Uh, I mean, around each individual checkout. Uh uh-uh, uh, not anymore. So. You cut seven people off the schedule? Yeah, I did at $10 an hour. So I saved $70 an hour. So as long as people aren't stealing $70 worth an hour of merchandise, we're doing okay. What are you going to do for that? Well, we're going to set this jackass at the door and he's going to scan tickets and hope people are volunteering to let him scan their tickets. Visually scan their tickets, right? Um, as part of your Fifth Amendment, you don't have to show him what's in your bag or whatever anyway. It's your property. You just paid for it. You're leaving. He can't look in your bag without your permission. Tell him that and walk out. Or just walk out. You don't have to talk to him. That's your First Amendment privilege. That's how it works. Uh, I'm not trying to turn this into a confrontational debate on uh, privacy. But that's how the business part of it works. So what are you doing to amp up the production, uh, the automation? What are you doing to pump in you know, the extra needed resources? So in a relationship, there's two of us. We make $500 a week and our bills are $1,000. You know, we're spending all our money. Well, if two of us get together and we reduce our bills because me... And, and Larry are getting together, and Larry's bills were $500, my bill was $500. All right, but if we move in together, and me and Larry going to share a bed and everything else, we're going to cut his expenses and mine by merging them together, and now there's a little more money. Now you have a two-income household. Most people have a one-income household, a lot of, you know, for the most part. And so that's where you um, create this um, uh, quicksand that, most people are extremely unlikely to ever uh, get back on um, their own two feet and be able to run. Because once you get together with somebody else and it cuts the expenses way down to have the two of you, most people get comfortable. And and they don't make the hard decisions. They don't go for the big promotion. They try to be home more, all that kind of stuff. Well, if you ever decide that you guys are going to part ways, you have not reached your maximum professional potential, and, and the other person likely has not either. And and so you don't make individually enough money to break your households into two again. And so people end up having to stay together, or they move in with a friend or a family member or you know their, their parents, whatever, to try to save money, to build it up, get back, get their own house. And now that the housing market is in such a wild, you know, tornado of pricing and increases and so many private corporations have bought up so many things 
and uh, they've locked up the market. It makes it extremely hard for uh, folks to be able to uh, make any decisions about ending a relationship, having the talk or whatever, because then you're just stuck. I got to tell you, I'm not happy in this relationship. We're going to have to go our separate ways. And about two years, once we both get our finances in order and get our career where it needs to be, then we'll go in two different areas and live separately. And <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, very rarely can anybody secretly try to make those kind of sacrifices. You could stop buying your favorite shoes and, you know, eat a little cheaper and everything else and try to pile that money up behind the other person's back. You could, uh, if you're married, then they're all assets of the marriage and technically they can split it 50-50 or whatever your situation is. But just think about everything that you're doing because that's what I'm looking for if I was to ever go after another situation is somebody who is independently strong enough that if, if it didn't work out, we could both make it on our own. That's what's drawn me back into previous situations in the past. The other part, I didn't think the other person could survive, would make their bills, wouldn't go broke, be homeless if I didn't, you know, keep an eye on them. And it sucks uh, because then I'm unable to like go off in my own direction and and do everything I could do and go at full speed. Is I got to slow down and make sure that you know the wheelchair battery doesn't run out on this this other person who's just not moving quite as fast and they're they're not quite quite as as able or or handy capable as I am. And I'm not I'm saying this in what could be a visual or a funny way or something, but I'm also trying to make it in bad taste so that, you know, you don't um laugh at them. It's almost like bad humor. I'm I'm bombing on purpose, you might say. Um I don't know. It's it's difficult for anybody to walk away from another person knowing that other person is going to be uh, struggling. It, 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 in my case, it's, it's extremely hard. So uh, if, if I were on intervention and they said, hey, what's your bottom line? What are you going to do if they don't get their act together? Walk away. And that's the way I think about it. If I don't walk away... I keep giving them a way to to come up short. I keep allowing them to make the reckless decisions. I got to walk away. And then if they still do it, they still do it. But the most responsible thing I can do is to stop enabling them. So that's where I'm at. Um, I don't want to enable anybody anymore. I want somebody who... I want somebody to enable me. Uh... No, I don't, I don't have anything else to add on this podcast. We've been talking long enough. I'm going to go back. I'm, I'm on October the 17th where the Rangers are getting ready to take down another uh, opponent. Uh, I don't know who it is yet. I, I, I need to go back. Any, I, I'm not on social media. I don't spend a bunch of time on Facebook. I don't look at the sports scores or whatever. I swear to God, if somebody like texts me, the record the Rangers have or the wins and losses of the games or whatever else, that'll be like the end of a friendship. Uh, it'll be a good way to get yourself blocked. Uh, one of my joys in life is uh, with ESPN+, Plus, I can go back as far as I want and watch you know the games I've missed. 
I'm currently, it's 23rd of October, I'm currently probably a couple of games behind, uh, which I may catch up on one more tonight. Uh, it just depends. I, my newer position, I'm, I'm up before the break of dawn. Uh, and yes, I, I do more before 8 a.m. than most people will do all day. Um, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> I was, the Marines and Jasmine St. Clair, no man left behind. Um, but I just, I want you to, to have a good uh, holiday season. You guys got Halloween coming up. You do the whole thing that you do most of the time and pretend to be somebody else. Um, but me, um, Gotta tell you, it's 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 been a lot worse in my life at other times. I'm I'm pretty happy. Um, always glad to share a few stories, a little bit of wisdom. But you know, think twice about your critical decisions that you're making. It feels good to be able to say that I did some of the things I did here or privately or whatever. But. It's got more than one dimension to it, and so there's certain things that I'm doing that are enabling, and that's one of the things that I'd, I'd like to kind of scale uh, back and, and maybe try to phase that out of my system before the end of the year. It's, it's pretty modest, right? So we got about two and a half months to do that, uh, so we'll see, but... You know where to reach me. You know if you want to send in questions, comments, topics you want me to talk about, let me know. I've got a handful of things that are not part of my my daily social commentary to bring up on the next episode. And uh, that's going to happen sooner than later because the whole point of what I was saying in today's installment is that If you'll reach a point where you make the lists and you then prioritize those things and knock out what's important, you don't have to worry about what if. You don't have to live with those questions. So there should be more Michael L. Craver Presents than ever before. And uh, I hope that when I put out more content, all of you out there listening, still do all of the things that you're supposed to be doing with your life and not paying attention to me when you should be spending that valuable time with somebody else. I appreciate it. I appreciate you listening today. And uh, I appreciate all the times you're going to listen in the future. <laughs> you have a good night. And uh, go Rangers. Rangers. <laughs>